Chapter Thirteen, Part One of the Fifteen Decisive Battles of the World. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Denise Nordell. The Fifteen Decisive Battles of the World by Sir Edward Shepherd Creasy. Chapter Thirteen, Part One. Chapter Thirteen: Victory of the Americans over Burgoyne at Saratoga, A.D. 1777 westward the course of empire takes its way the first four acts already passed a fifth shall close the drama with the day time's noblest offspring is its last bishop berkeley even of those great conflicts in which hundreds of thousands have been engaged and tens of thousands have fallen none has been more fruitful of results than this surrender of thirty five hundred fighting men at saratoga it not merely changed the relations of england and the feelings of europe towards these insurgent colonies but it has modified for all times to come the connection between every colony and every parent state lord mann of the four great powers that now principally rule the political destinies of the world france and england are the only two whose influence can be dated back beyond the last century and a half the third great power russia was a feeble mass of barbarism before the epoch of peter the great and the very existence of the fourth great power as an independent nation commenced within the memory of living men by the fourth great power of the world i mean the mighty commonwealth of the western continent which now commands the admiration of mankind that homage is sometimes reluctantly given and accompanied with suspicion and ill-will but none can refuse it all the physical essentials for national strength are undeniably to be found in the geographical position and amplitude of territory which the united states possess in their inexhaustible tracts of fertile but hitherto untouched soil in their stately forests in their mountain chains and their rivers their beds of coal their stores of metallic wealth in their extensive seaboard along the waters of two oceans and in their already numerous and rapidly increasing population and when we examine the character of this population no one can look on the fearless energy the sturdy determination the aptitude for local self-government the versatile alacrity and the unresting spirit of enterprise which characterize the anglo-americans without feeling that he here beholds the true moral elements of progressive might three-quarters of a century have not yet passed away since the united states ceased to be mere dependencies of england and even if we date their origin from the period when the first permanent european settlements out of which they grew were made on the western coast of the north atlantic the increase of their strength is unparalleled either in rapidity or extent the ancient roman boasted with reason of the growth of rome from humble beginnings to the greatest magnitude which the world had then ever witnessed but the citizen of the united states is still more justly entitled to claim this praise in two centuries and a half his country has acquired ampler dominion than the roman gained in ten and even if we credit the legend of the band of shepherds and outlaws with which romulus is said to have colonized the seven hills we find not there so small a germ of future greatness as we find in the group of a hundred and five ill-chosen and disunited emigrants who founded jamestown in sixteen o seven or in the scanty band of the pilgrim fathers who a few years later moored their bark on the wild and rock-bound coast of the wilderness that was to become new england the power of the united states is emphatically imperium quo neque ab exordio ulum ferre minus neque incrementis todo orbe amplius humans potest memoria recordare eutropius exordium 
nothing is more calculated to impress the mind with a sense of the rapidity with which the resources of the american republic advance than the difficulty which the historical inquirer finds in ascertaining their precise amount if he consults the most recent works and those written by the ablest investigators of the subject he finds in them admiring comments on the change which the last few years before those books were written had made but when he turns to apply the estimates in those books to the present moment he finds them wholly inadequate before a book on the subject of the united states has lost its novelty those states have outgrown the description which it contains the celebrated work of the french statesman de tocqueville appeared about fifteen years ago in the passage which i am about to quote it will be seen that he predicts the constant increase of the anglo-american power but he looks on the rocky mountains as their extreme western limit for many years to come he had evidently no expectation of himself seeing that power dominant along the pacific as well as along the atlantic coast he says the distance from lake superior to the gulf of mexico extends from the forty-seventh to the thirtieth degree of latitude a distance of more than twelve hundred miles as the bird flies the frontier of the united states winds along the whole of this immense line sometimes falling within its limits but more frequently extending far beyond it into the waste it has been calculated that the whites advance every year a mean distance of seventeen miles along the whole of this vast boundary obstacles such as an unproductive district a lake or an indian nation unexpectedly encountered are sometimes met with the advancing column then halts for a while its two extremities fall back upon themselves and as soon as they are reunited they proceed onwards this gradual and continual progress of the european race towards the rocky mountains has the solemnity of a providential event it is like a deluge of men rising unabatedly and daily driven onwards by the hand of god within this first line of conquering settlers towns are built and vast estates founded in seventeen ninety there were only a few thousand pioneers sprinkled along the valleys of the mississippi and at the present day these valleys contain as many inhabitants as were to be found in the whole union in seventeen ninety their population amounts to nearly four millions the city of washington was founded in eighteen hundred in the very centre of the union but such are the changes which have taken place that it now stands at one of the extremities and the delegates of the most remote western states are already obliged to perform a journey as long so that from vienna to paris it must not then be imagined that the impulse of the british race in the new world can be arrested the dismemberment of the union and the hostilities which might ensue the abolition of republican institutions and the tyrannical government which might succeed it may retard this impulse but they cannot prevent it from ultimately fulfilling the destinies to which that race is reserved no power on earth can close up on the emigrants that fertile wilderness which offers resources to all industry and a refuge from all want future events of whatever nature they may be will not deprive the americans of their climate or of their inland seas or of their great rivers or of their exuberant soil nor will bad laws revolutions and anarchy be able to obliterate that love of prosperity and that spirit of enterprise which seem to be the distinctive characteristics of their race or to extinguish that knowledge which guides them on their way thus in the midst of an uncertain future one event at least is sure at a period which may be said to be near for we are speaking of the life of a nation the anglo-americans will alone cover the immense space contained between the polar regions and the tropics extending from the coast of the atlantic to the shores of the pacific ocean the territory which will probably be occupied by the anglo-americans at some future time may be computed to equal three-quarters of europe in extent the climate of the union is upon the whole preferable to that of europe and its natural advantages are not less great 
it is therefore evident that its population will at some future time be proportionate to our own europe divided as it is between so many different nations and torn as it has been by incessant wars and the barbarous manners of the middle ages has notwithstanding attained a population of four hundred and ten inhabitants to the square league what cause can prevent the united states from having as numerous a population in time the time will therefore come when one hundred and fifty millions of men will be living in north america equal in condition the progeny of one race owing their origin to the same cause and preserving the same civilization the same language the same religion the same habits the same manners and imbued with the same opinions propagated under the same forms the rest is uncertain but this is certain and it is a fact new to the world a fact fraught with such portentous consequences as to baffle the efforts even of the imagination note the original french of these passages will be found in the chapter on quelles sont les chances des durées de l'union américaine quel danger la menaçant in the third volume of the first part of de tocqueville and in the conclusion of the first part they are with others collected and translated by mr allison in his essays volume three page three seventy four let us turn from the french statesman writing in eighteen thirty five to an english statesman who is justly regarded as the highest authority on all statistical subjects and who described the united states only seven years ago macgregor macgregor's commercial statistics tells us the states which on the ratification of independence formed the american republican union were thirteen these being massachusetts new hampshire connecticut rhode island new york new jersey delaware maryland pennsylvania virginia north carolina south carolina and georgia the foregoing thirteen states the whole inhabited territory of which with the exception of a few small settlements was confined to the region extending between the allegheny mountains and the atlantic were those which existed at the period when they became an acknowledged separate and independent federal sovereign power the thirteen stripes of the standard or flag of the united states continue to represent the original number the stars have multiplied to twenty-six fresh stars have dawned since this was written according as the numbers of states have increased the territory of the thirteen original states of the union including maine and vermont comprehended a superficies of three hundred seventy one thousand one hundred twenty four english square miles that of the whole united kingdom of great britain and ireland a hundred twenty thousand three hundred fifty four that of france including corsica two hundred fourteen thousand nine hundred ten that of the austrian empire including hungary and all the imperial states two hundred fifty seven thousand five hundred forty english square miles the present superficies of the twenty-six constitutional states of the anglo-american union and the district of columbia and territories of florida include one million twenty nine thousand twenty five square miles to which if we add the northwest or wisconsin territory east of the mississippi and bounded by lake superior on the north and michigan on the east and occupying at least one hundred thousand square miles and then add the great western region not yet well defined territories but at the most limited calculation comprehending seven hundred thousand square miles the whole unbroken in its vast length and breadth by foreign nations comprehends a portion of the earth's surface equal to one million seven hundred twenty nine thousand twenty five english or one million two hundred ninety six thousand seven hundred seventy geographical square miles we may add that the population of the states when they declared their independence was about two millions and a half it is now twenty three millions i have quoted macgregor not only on account of the clear and full view which he gives of the progress of america to the date when he wrote 
but because his description may be contrasted with what the united states have become even since his book appeared only three years after the time when mcgregor wrote this the american president truly stated within less than four years the annexation of texas to the union has been consummated all conflicting title to the oregon territory south of the forty-ninth degree of north latitude adjusted and new mexico and upper california have been acquired by treaty the area of these several territories contains one million one hundred ninety three thousand sixty one square miles or seven hundred sixty three million five hundred fifty nine thousand forty acres while the area of the remaining twenty-nine states and the territory not yet organized into states east of the rocky mountains contains two million fifty nine thousand five hundred thirteen square miles or one billion three hundred eighteen million one hundred twenty six thousand and fifty eight acres these estimates show that the territories recently acquired and over which our exclusive jurisdiction and dominion have been extended constitute a country more than half as large as all that which was held by the united states before their acquisition if oregon be excluded from the estimate there will still remain within the limits of texas new mexico and california eight hundred fifty one thousand five hundred ninety eight square miles or five hundred forty five million twelve thousand seven hundred twenty acres being an addition equal to more than one-third of all the territory owned by the united states before their acquisition and including oregon nearly as great an extent of territory as the whole of europe russia only excepted the mississippi so lately the frontier of our country is now only its centre with the addition of the late acquisitions the united states are now estimated to be nearly as large as the whole of europe the extent of the sea-coast of texas on the gulf of mexico is upwards of four hundred miles of the coast of upper california on the pacific of nine hundred seventy miles and of oregon including the straits of fuca six hundred and fifty miles making the whole extent of sea-coast on the pacific one thousand six hundred twenty miles and the whole extent on both the pacific and the gulf of mexico two thousand twenty miles the length of the coast on the atlantic from the northern limits of the united states round the capes of florida to the sabine on the eastern boundary of texas is estimated to be three thousand one hundred miles so that the addition of sea-coast including oregon is very nearly two-thirds as great as all we possessed before and excluding oregon is an addition of one thousand three hundred seventy miles being nearly equal to one-half of the extent of coast which we possessed before these acquisitions we have now three great maritime fronts on the atlantic the gulf of mexico and the pacific making in the whole an extent of sea-coast exceeding five thousand miles this is the extent of the sea-coast of the united states not including bays sounds and small irregularities of the main shore and of the sea islands if these be included the length of the shore-line of coast as estimated by the superintendent of the coast survey in his report would be thirty three thousand sixty three miles the importance of the power of the united states being then firmly planted along the pacific applies not only to the new world but to the old opposite to san francisco on the coast of that ocean lie the wealthy but decrepit empires of china and japan numerous groups of islets stud the larger part of the intervening sea and form convenient stepping-stones for the progress of commerce or ambition the intercourse of traffic between these ancient asiatic monarchies and the young anglo-american republic must be rapid and extensive any attempt of the chinese or japanese rulers to check it will only accelerate an armed collision the american will either buy or force his way between such populations as that of china and japan on the one side and that of the united states on the other the former haughty formal and insolent the latter bold intrusive and unscrupulous causes of quarrel must sooner or later arise the results of such a quarrel cannot be doubted 
america will scarcely imitate the forbearance shown by england at the end of our late war with the celestial empire and the conquests of china and japan by the fleets and armies of the united states are events which many now living are likely to witness compared with the magnitude of such changes in the dominion of the old world the certain ascendancy of the anglo-americans over central and southern america seems a matter of secondary importance well may we repeat de tocqueville's words that the growing power of this commonwealth is un fait entièrement nouveau dans le monde et dont l'imagination elle-même ne saurait cesser la portée these remarks were written in eighteen fifty one and now in may eighteen fifty two a powerful squadron of american war steamers has been sent to japan for the ostensible purpose of securing protection for the crews of american vessels shipwrecked on the japanese coasts but also evidently for important ulterior purposes an englishman may look and ought to look on the growing grandeur of the americans with no small degree of generous sympathy and satisfaction they like ourselves are members of the great anglo-saxon nation whose race and language are now overrunning the world from one end of it to the other arnold and whatever differences of form of government may exist between us and them whatever reminiscences of the days when though brethren we strove together may rankle in the minds of us the defeated party we should cherish the bonds of common nationality that still exist between us we should remember as the athenians remembered of the spartans at a season of jealousy and temptation that our race is one being of the same blood speaking the same language having an essential resemblance in our institutions and usages and worshipping in the temples of the same god herodotus volume eight one forty four all this may and should be borne in mind and yet an englishman can hardly watch the progress of america without the regretful thought that america once was english and that but for the folly of our rulers she might be english still it is true that the commerce between the two countries has largely and beneficially increased but this is no proof that the increase would not have been still greater had the states remained integral portions of the same great empire by giving a fair and just participation in political rights these the fairest possessions of the british crown might have been preserved to it this ancient and most noble monarchy lord chatham would not have been dismembered nor should we see that which ought to be the right arm of our strength now menacing us in every political crisis as the most formidable rival of our commercial and maritime ascendancy End of chapter thirteen part one recording by denise nordell modesto california